Welcome to All Students of Stanford Unite, the official podcast of the Associated Students of Stanford University and Stanford Student Enterprises. I'm your host, Cricket Vitalman. With the ASSU elections coming up, I thought it would be cool to get some insights into the entirely virtual process. Today's guest is an economics major and is now the ASSU elections commissioner, Edwin Ong. Hi, Edwin. How are you? Hi, Cricket. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me on. Of course. What drew you to the ASSU? I think you've been around since last year, right? That's right. Last year, I served as an assistant elections commissioner. Before I got into college, I was already into sort of politics, social justice. And one of the people I knew, you know, they were giving me advice about what to do when I got into college. And they said, you should serve in student government. Not you don't necessarily have to do like elected office. But serve in student government in some form or another, because a lot of the people in student government are people who end up going into actual government. So when the opportunity came up to apply for an assistant election commissioner, I figured I'd, I'd apply. How was it joining the ASSU freshman year? I didn't start until I was a junior, so I thought I'd already kind of gotten my feet under me at Stanford, so to speak. I didn't know that. But Stanford, there's just, as an institution and as a community, there's just so many subparts to it. There's so much to learn about it, right? And it's impossible to learn everything in what, like the four years that most of us are here. So coming in as a freshman, I think it was like fall quarter freshman year. Obviously, you don't really know that much. I would say I learn a lot about the ASSU through the community. And I learn a lot about the community and the institutions through serving on the ASSU as well. And I would say probably to a greater degree than most other people, just because I have less experience at Stanford. I have less knowledge on a lot of the, the issues and stuff. But I'm very grateful to be able to be on the ASSU and sort of expedite my learning in terms of, you know, these institutions that we have. So you talked about how you are very passionate about social justice and student government. How do you think that your economics major is going to contribute to that? So when I applied for Stanford, I applied as political science. My goal back then was to go into the Washington State Senate. That's still my goal. I've just decided economics degree would be better fit. Because when I'm thinking about a politician, let's say my current state senator, Monka Dingra, do I really want her to be a politician? Like, do I want her to have a political background or do I want her to have knowledge in some field that's relevant to my life? I would rather have her be knowledgeable or an expert in a field that's relevant to my life, economics or, you know, like healthcare or, or something like that, versus her, her being like good at politicking. Of course, I would like her to be good at politicking, but I don't necessarily know if that's the main thing I want her to be good at. And so I figure economics is something that I find interesting and is relevant to almost everyone's life. So I figured I would major in economics and that would probably help me make better policy and, you know, make actual change rather than a political science degree and then having me be good at politics. Not that that's not a valuable skill, but that's not what I want to focus on necessarily. At the end of last year, were you thinking about applying for elections commissioner or did it kind of just happen? I think I knew I was going to apply for elections commissioner at that point you know at the end of last year I think all the other assistant election commissioners dropped so it was just me and um, Christian as the main elections commissioner 
I knew I wanted to continue my involvement in the ASSU. I didn't really see how to do that. And then when, you know, when Christian's like, hey, maybe you should apply for the elections commissioner next year, that made a lot of sense. Mentorship has been a huge part of a lot of my life, especially the advocacy work that I do. And the ASSU is no exception to that. Do you think that that applies to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. In life, in general, in any field, if you have very strong mentors who can give you good advice, give you the right opportunities, that's just such a big advantage over people who don't have that. And that that really helps, you know, expedite your learning and the opportunities you can get. For me in the ASSU, I think that's really big. I still talk to Christian a lot because, oh, geez, I need help. Because running the elections is quite a big test. There's a lot, a lot of institutional knowledge that I don't know. And Christian helps me fill in those gaps. I think actually one of the big improvements that ASSU could make is bringing on previous office holders as mentors. The student government, because we're only here for four years and just the nature of it, there's a pretty high turnover rate. People hold positions for maybe one, two years. It would be really helpful for the next people who hold office to have mentors who have held those offices before. Just be available to consult for any advice or help. So did you ever consider running for the Senate or any of the other elected positions? I got the job as assistant election commissioner fall quarter freshman year. So that made me ineligible to run. So at that point, I didn't really think about it. And then I already was thinking about applying for elections commissioner. So that would make me ineligible again, sophomore year. So not really. I'm pretty happy in the uh, non-elected positions. The elected positions, I feel, are a lot of work. Are a lot of are a lot more politicking, which I don't really have the energy for. And those positions do seem fun. Don't get me wrong; I just don't think I have the energy for it right now. Last year, the elections had to be switched to a different format because the petitioning couldn't happen in person like they normally yeah. do. And this year, that's the same. But how would you compare last year and this year in terms of formatting? In terms of format, this year is going to be similar to last year. With some, I would say, quality of life improvements along the way, stuff like the easier petitioning form to fill out, and it's our website's a, a little more organized, just because we've had a bit more time to prepare them. This year and last year, it's it's all virtual. We've cleaned up some of the policies and and some of the processes this year because we we were expecting it, right? Last year, who the heck knew that in February, March, the COVID nineteen would hit. That's, I would say, the main main difference. Although, you know, last year's election, I would say it went very well considering the, the situation that we were put in. I'm hoping we can replicate that this year. Right. But this year's format is a little different in that a lot of the elections are occurring during spring. Some of the primary process starts now-ish, right? Or in the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. I guess I can talk a bit in terms of timeline. So traditionally, the petitioning process, which we've rebranded as the primary process this year, traditionally that has been the end of winter quarter. And I believe the primary elections were in the end of winter quarter. We couldn't do that this year because the Senate and the Graduate Student Council 
needed a bit more time this year to plan out the annual grant recommendations, I guess, because of the whole COVID thing, they've also had to switch up their schedule. That's the primary reason why things are pushed back this year. Like you said, this year, we have the primary elections at the beginning of spring quarter, uh, the general elections in the middle of spring quarter. I honestly couldn't don't remember when the general elections were. I know they were pushed back, though, possibly to around the same time but i would say the schedule is uh, compared to last year isn't too big of a, a change or isn't too big of a deal you're right in that all elections are happening in spring why did you change the name from the petitioning period to the primaries i think originally in the constitution and this is something me and you know some people in the undergraduate senate are looking into changing back but i don't really have a strong opinion on it yet we're just considering it traditionally How it is right now is week one of spring quarter, we're going to send everyone who's eligible to vote a virtual ballot. And this will be their primary ballot. They'll vote for all the candidates they want. And it's like a threshold vote as long as candidates get over like 100 or however many. It's specific for each election. Uh, If they get over the threshold amount of votes, they move on to the general election. And there's annual grant petitioning and, and there's some other stuff. The main point is that we send you a ballot and you will fill it out. Originally, what happened was instead of us sending everyone a ballot, candidates would go out and they would have, I guess, pieces of paper and they would collect signatures. They would get, they would have their petition and people would sign their petition. Same with annual grant petitions. Annual grant groups would have these sheets of papers or maybe a link. They would get people to sign onto their petition. And that's a little different than us sending everyone a ballot with all of this list out and we just let people vote on whatever they want. This kind of ASSU sending you a ballot format has been around at least for a couple of years. I know last year we did it. I'm not too clear on the year before that. With the format we have now, I figured it was more close to a primary election prevalent in U.S. politics. And so I figured this is a term people are more familiar with. This is a term which I feel fits the current process better. And so that's why we rebranded it. If we do choose to go back to petitions at some point, then then the name could change back to petitioning period. I think candidates were at one point given some sort of budget that they could use to promote themselves. Is that something that's still happening this year? Yeah, I believe so. It will be for the general elections. The budget, the amount of money is dependent on your race. Generally, we have a public financing option, which is exactly what it sounds like. ASSU will provide money for candidates to uh, spend. Usage of money is regulated, but ASSU will provide the money to spend this year. And what are the regulations on what that money can be used for? I don't have all the regulations off the top of my head. If you're a candidate looking to run, all that information can be found in the candidate information guide. It should all be laid out pretty clearly in the document. One thing that did happen last year is that a group of 10 people ran together in what was called the People's Caucus for the Senate. Are the caucuses of that size still allowed this year? If I remember correctly, that was like a group of 10 undergraduates just running together for undergraduate senate. The only like regulations we have in terms of size is for slates. And those are like official group of people who are running for class presidents officially together, exec, where we allow slates of two, which is a president and a vice president. I mean, for undergraduate senate, caucuses like that are unofficial. They are just running together and sort of tying their brands together. 
but that's not regulated. So you've given us a little bit of a timeline for what the elections are looking like this year. Other than that, are there any differences that we should be aware of for the virtual elections this year versus the in-person elections? So this year, elections are all virtual, as in don't do anything in person because that's a violation of our rules and you will be punished for that. Even if you're on campus, you're not allowed to do anything in person. And that's one, for safety reasons, two, for equity reasons, because not everyone is on campus with access to everyone. It's going to be entirely virtual. Right now, we're in the process of um, brainstorming some virtual events we can run during campaign week. We'll probably try to pour over some events, which we normally have in person to online, like the executive debates and some sort of undergraduate Senate candidate meet and greet. I look forward to running these virtual events and seeing how they end up. And can you explain the referendum process a little bit more? So the referendum process, honestly, has not been... The language, at least in the constitutional amendment process, isn't perfectly compatible with... Like I said, we we send you a ballot instead of petitions. So that change kind of makes some of the wording a bit weird. But the baseline is this. If you have like a constitutional amendment, you should send it to a relevant legislative chair. So that's either UGS chair or GSC chair. If they don't put it on the ballot themselves, you file with me by March 10th through 19th. Then you'll be put on the primary ballot and there's some thresholds you have to meet to move on to the general ballot. For other referendums that aren't constitutional amendments, it's pretty similar except you just uh, file with us March 10th through 19th. And by the way, the filing link will be on our website. So elections.stanford.edu and we're going to be publicizing it. Shouldn't be too hard to find. So anyways, you're going to file with us March 10th through 19th. You need to provide the bill text, I think a summary of the bill and your contact information. And then that will be on the primary ballot. Depending on what kind of referendum this is, you're going to have to meet different thresholds. Specifics are laid out on our website. So you pass the primary election and then you go to the general election and then you have to pass another threshold. After that, legislation that you propose will become official. What kinds of things do you expect will be written in terms of referenda? Right. So there's already one, you've probably heard of it, people are talking about it, having Frosch run in the, uh, having Frosch be in the undergraduate Senate and running an election to have some seats specifically for Frosch to sit in the undergraduate Senate. I've talked to the people proposing it and some people in the undergraduate Senate. I think some of the details are liable to change, but that's the general idea, you know, having elections for Frosch to sit in the undergraduate Senate. I don't want to comment on my opinions about it. If it does get passed, then I suppose the election commission is going to have to accommodate whatever changes are made. I did want to ask you about that and without asking whether you think that's good or bad. One person in the article that was in the daily this morning said that that doesn't seem very practical in terms of timeline because there would have to be an election either late fall quarter or early winter quarter. And then the elections, you know, the big elections would be happening at the end of winter quarter or during early spring quarter. Do you think that's really a practical thing to do? When I talked to Frosh, I said this, if, you know, the next election commissioner was hired, onboarded spring quarter. So like spring quarter at the end of this year, I think we could run a very bare bones minimalistic election for Frosh. 
but there are some complications. Like one is when we get enrollment data, normally in the middle of the quarter. So if we want to run like an election that's constitutional, we would have to have like primaries and a general election. And the primary elections due to enrollment restrictions would have to be after week five. And so that already pushes the timeline like pretty far back. In addition, I know there's some concerns about equity. Frosh who are already well-connected and have the resources to be well-connected would have the advantage in this kind of election week five. So I know that's another concern that has been brought up. The baseline is I think we could run like a very bare bones election by the end of starting the end of fall quarter. But I think it would be like really hard and the timing would be really wonky. Practically, my final verdict is it's possible, but it's very much not preferable, especially given, you know, how many people and what the capacity of the election commission currently is. Well, that's about everything I have today, but are there any changes that you think should be made to the elections process in the future? I think one big one is having a lot of easy to digest graphics, or it doesn't even have to be graphics. Those are just a a nicer way to present things. But just somehow to condense a lot of our procedures into some easy to digest info infographic. That's mainly because a lot of the procedures are are pretty confusing, even for someone who is pretty familiar with uh, the whole thing. I don't think we can fit all our small text rules and stuff, but I would hope that at least the big picture procedure can be understood easily by everyone. So that's something we're working on. Like I said, another thing we're looking at is whether or not we want to go back to a more traditional petitioning petitioning process. We haven't really started talking about that yet. I've been focused on this year's elections. I think we'll start talking about that, you know, towards the end of the year when the elections are wrapping up. Right. One thing I did see on the news is that some medical experts are thinking that we'll have to be limiting large in-person gatherings and also possibly wearing masks into like 2022. So if that's the case, then it might be a little difficult to have huge election events or, or the standard petitioning. What do you think is in your future then? First of all, I want to go back to what you just said for a bit. Oh, no, I kind of hate wearing masks outside because it fogs up my glasses. And I think I'm wearing them wrong or whatever. But what can you do? Maybe I need to get invest in like a more pricier mask because I wear those blue surgical masks is what they're called. Petitioning would be uh, if we did go back to that, I don't think we would do physical paper. We would like give everyone a link. Each candidate would have an individual link, which is like their petition. Like they would give the link to people and people could go to it and sign it. Sort of change.org. And then you said, what's in my future? Well, I'm going to continue school. Over the summer, I get a intern small business administration in Seattle, which I'm super excited about. I think it will probably be virtual. I was going to intern there last summer, but with coronavirus and the small business administration was struggling to get all the PPP loans out, didn't have the capacity to have me there. So this year it looks like they will. And I'm excited to work with them because that's what I'm passionate about. I'm also going to be uh, managing a city council campaign for my mentors in uh, Bellevue. So that's Conrad Lee for Bellevue City Council 
What year is it tomorrow? I mean, next year? This year, 2021. He's been on the council for a long time. I think 28 years now. So this will be it. But it's a virtual election. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm excited to be in the thick of this uh, changing environment. In terms of my involvement with the ASSU, I don't think I'm going to be election commissioner again. That seems pretty unlikely. But I, I would like to be involved with the ASSU or SSE in some capacity. So I am, you know, keeping my uh, ears open for any opportunities. Cool, cool. And when you are state senator in Washington, make sure to come back and do another interview with whoever is doing this at that time. Before we go, then, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Thank you for having me on. And I hope that everyone's having a good week, day, night, whatever it is for you. All right. Well, thank you very much um, for the interview. That was Edwin Ong, the ASSU Elections Commissioner, and this has been another episode of All Students of Stanford Unite, the official podcast of the Associated Students of Stanford University and Stanford Student Enterprises. I'm your host, Cricket Beidelman, and I encourage you to vote in this year's elections. Happy voting. Happy voting.